We're turning to 1 Kings and chapter 21, please. I want you to open your Bible and keep it open at the first book of Kings and the chapter 21. And when you've found that place, give me your attention, please. Pray into yourself that the Lord will speak to you and minister to your heart this morning. We need to hear from God. Whoever we needed to hear from God, we need to hear from Him in these days. And God is real and God speaks. So ask Him to speak into your soul this morning. I want you to come with me in your imagination to the old Palestinian city of Jezreel. And I want you to come, if you can, in your mind's eye, into the ornate palace of the royal residence of King Ahab and King and Queen Jezebel. History tells us that they built this palace and he designed it himself and it was clad all outside with ivory, a beautiful, beautiful mansion. But inside were two of the worst and the most evil monarchs that ruled the ten tribes of Israel for 58 years. The regime was one of immorality and idolatry and evil that surpassed all the other kings before them. And then I want you in your mind's eye to don that mighty palace and past the guards and past the gates and past the surveillance and into the king's bedchamber. And there's a sight to behold. You find his majesty in bed. His face turned to the wall. The Bible says depressed, defeated, and dejected. And he's in so great a rage that he can neither sleep, nor eat, or stand on his feet. He shook to the very bone. Now, if I were a reporter in there, I would ask him the question, what is the matter, sir? And I would say something like this, have you received word from your watchmen that the enemy's on the way to destroy the kingdom? And the answer to that would be no, because he had just defeated the mighty Assyrian army. I then might ask him, has your wife deceased and your 70 sons been slain in battle? And the answer would be no. Or is it like the Absalom and David scenario, have one of the boys made a bid for power? No. Or maybe like Isaiah, when he went to bed, the king Isaiah turned his face to the wall and uh, Isaiah came, uh, Hezekiah and Isaiah came with the word, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. For he had found lumps, but no lumps here. 
Let the word of truth tell us what's wrong with this king. And my title this morning for this message is Problems in in the Palace. So I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 21. You've come for the word of God, and I'm going to give you the word of God this morning. Within here lies an awesome story that is application overspilling for every one of us this morning if we care to listen. What a mighty story this is. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Abe, king of Samaria. In other words, it was next door to it that joined into his property. Remember, this is a mighty king. And Abe spake unto Naboth, saying, it seems that he personally spoke to him, which was unusual, Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give you the worth of it in money. On the face of value, there was nothing wrong with that. It's a business-like, and we all would do things like that if we thought it would work. We're all greedy for bits of land and bits of ground and bits of money. And there was nothing really wrong on the face of it, but he knew, the king knew, that there was something wrong with it, and so did, uh, as you'll see in a minute, so did Naboth. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbiddeth me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. And it was just a small postage stamp of ground, this small vineyard. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father's. And he laid him down in bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. He Whinging now to his wife. We know who's the boss in this house when you read on. And let me say something else about what he said to her here, just in passing. He didn't tell her all the truth. He didn't tell her why neighbor said he wouldn't give the vineyard to him. Just a wee word to some of you men and wives too. When you tell the story, tell the whole story. Don't be leaving things out. Your wife deserves to know the truth. And so does your husband. No, no, he purposely left this bit out about why he didn't, because the Lord forbid him for doing it. Just a wee thought in passing. 
Verse 7, And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Are you not the king here? Arise, man, and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry, and I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name. You want to get a list of crimes, you'll get them down here. That's for you to start. Of course, there was temper before that. There was greed before that. Covetous before that. That's all in that man's mind. There's a hope, a haste of sins here. And she wrote letters in Eve's name and sealed them with a seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Nubeth. And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast. That's the hypocrite bringing in God into it. You see, people like to bring God into it. Cover it over. But it didn't work here and it doesn't work here anywhere. We'll proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people and set two men, sons of Belial. She probably bribed them before him to bear witness against him, saying, Now this blaspheme God and the king. Lies. And then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And may I add here, and another scripture tells us, which I'll quote to you later on, he had two sons as well in this vineyard, and two sons as well as, as Ahab, as, as, as well as, as, as Naboth, were slain all at the one time. And the men of the city, even the elders and the nobles who were in the inhabitants in the city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which he had sent unto them to proclaim the fast and set neighbors on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and after that's the devil, and sat before him, and the men of the devil witnessed against him, even against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones until he died. Second Kings 9 and verse 26 says, and his two sons as well. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. It came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to thee for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab arose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Now watch this. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, the king of Israel, which is in Samaria, because he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus said the Lord, hast thou killed, and also taken possession. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus said the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, Shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine? And that's, God said, was happened later on. Naab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. And we'll end the reading there. And we know that God will bless to us the reading of his word. And he'll bless it, I'm sure, to our hearts.
This lurid, dramatic scene that I have just read this morning teems and themes with application for every one of us gathered here and listening. Not my problem was not getting something to say. My problem with this message was to what I'm going to leave out. You see, vineyards are a picture of the church of Jesus Christ in the Bible down through the ages. The Lord Jesus Christ is the true vine and we are the branches. And from the vine supplies the branches and provides and supplies the fruit. If we abide in the vine, Jesus says, then we will bring forth fruit and much fruit and more fruit. In thee is our fruit found. Isaiah says about the vineyard, he said, Christ the well-beloved, the choice and comely vine is planted in the midst. Would you keep your eye and your thought on this vineyard that speaks of Christ and that speaks of the church? The vineyard was protected by a watchtower. When the watchman got up on the tower and he scanned the whole horizon, when he saw the dust rising, he knew the enemy was coming, he blew the trumpet. And whenever the enemy got down, they had more trouble to get in because there were walls, those walls and hedges around every vineyard to protect them from the enemy. That is a picture of the church. The church needs the assembly and church of God's people needs protection and the trumpet needs to be blown when the enemy is near. Now it seems to me that Naboth and his two sons were minding their own business. It seems to me that they were toiling and laboring and leaning in this little vineyard that they have and probably praying for the were Jewish people. Outside the wall of the vineyard was the wicked, evil regime of Nahab and Jezebel. In other words, they were just beside the gates of hell. Because around this little vineyard that speaks of God's people was idolatry and child sacrifice and immorality. The like of was never known. You need to read the story. Baal worship. And I believe that A.W. Pink is right when he says that these three men, and I believe there would have been a woman there. It doesn't mention the woman in the scripture, but I believe, I think there would have been a wife there. But she wasn't killed uh, if she was there because she wasn't uh, going to be the inheritor of it. Inheritance is the word here. A.W. Pink says that they were part of the remnant of the 7,000 that didn't bow the knee to Baal. 
Remember the hid in the caves when Jezebel slew many, many of them. I'm sure that this family in their vineyard minding their own business would have obeyed the rules as far as they could of the regime of the regime, evil regime. I'm sure they rendered unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. I'm sure they paid the vineyard taxes and the vat taxes on the wine. But the moment that this king, with this tremendously attractive, lucrative offer, came to Naboth and said, Give me thy vineyard, that's when the trouble started. Like a flash. This man would have squared his shoulders and said, No. And why this man is in bed whinging and crying and not eating, it's just because one word, the word no. You don't say no to boys like this, and you don't say no to women like this, with the power that they have. So all that's wrong with this man is is pride. This wee fella here with this wee bit of ground, he's standing his ground and he says, no. He didn't go to solicitors. He didn't barter with them. He didn't look up legal things or anything else. He knew deep down in his very heart. And I'll tell you what he did and what he, the scriptures he would use was Numbers 36 and Leviticus 25. The land shall not be sold forever. It is mine, not thine. You are strangers and sojourners all the days of your life. In other words, you occupy it until I come. Can I say this morning, my dear friend, in this hour that we're living, it's all our business and it's all our duty in the midst of this wicked and perverse nation to blow the trumpet and to sound the alarm and to make up the hedge and stand in the gap and say no. The time has come. We need to do and say what Luther said, here I stand and I can do no other. And if every tile on the Vatican and Rome was a demon, I will still go up. That's the men we need with backbone today to stand in the gap for God. Oh, could I rub that in this morning? You know, I love this man, Naboth. He paid a price, a very severe price. And his two sons, which we'll see in a minute, Give me, give me, give me. No, we'll give you nothing. We don't give the devil anything without a fight. You see, this was a great mistake that the evangelical church made in the recent COVID crisis. When the ungodly authorities in Stormont and in Westminster imposed regulations and instructions upon us and filled the land and filled the church with fear. And they said to the church, give me thine inheritance. 
We're going to take your table away from you. We're going to take your Sunday schools away from you. We're going to take your prayer meetings away from you. It seemed that the devil just walked into the vineyard, attacked the vine, broke the branches, and left it desolate. And many of them are still desolate today. There's many never got back in. Would our fathers, these man, this man talking about, fathers in the faith, would they, would they have done it? Would the martyrs have done it at Smithfield? Would the covenanters have done it in Scotland? Would the three Hebrew children have done it when they said no? What did they say? We'll neither bend or bow or burn, and if we burn, then we'll burn. We cannot give up our inheritance. We cannot leave what God has given to us and put into a procession to hold and to stand fast in. It is mine, he says, not thine. Not ours to do what we like with. We ran like rabbits. That's just what we did, and we need to face up to it. Oh, I know I've been attacked all over for preaching like this, but I don't care. We ought to obey God rather than man. The early apostles wouldn't have done it. Put them in jail, put them in jail. Hammer them and batter them. Do what they do. But we must stand on our inheritance. We must stand on the word of God. This man standing on the word of God against the most wicked and evil. Child slayers and all the rest which we have around us today too. Naboth cannot and Naboth will not give up one inch. And friends, listen, you come here and pray with us and join with us on Wednesday night for we're standing against the abortionists and we're standing against the sodomites and we're standing against all the sin of the day in these days and we're going to stand and weave this weapon of prayer. For we have none other. If the vineyard pictures of the church of Jesus Christ and the workers therein, then Ahab and Jezebel surely speak of the predators, the devil. The devil cometh, is a thief. He cometh to steal and to kill and to destroy, and the more he gets, the more he wants. Give me is the language of the devil. That was the language of the devil in Genesis chapter 3 when he started out with Adam and Eve. Give me, and I'll give you something better. I'll give you knowledge, and I'll give you wisdom, and you'll be able to think like God. Give me, just give me. Oh, he wants worship. That was the language that he used on the Mount of, Tantrigger, uh, Mount of Temptation with our Lord Jesus he says, I'll give you the whole kingdoms of the world if you'll bow down and worship me. But he was speaking to the wrong man. Oh, now if there's a few pounds in it now. Solicitor told me one day, I was talking to him, I says, when it comes to money, uh, I said, I'm sure you see a lot of things. He says, it's not so much the money, it's the land. Oh, we bit of ground. We bit of it right away. It's lying into me. Oh, I'll, I'll get that. Ah, you will. And you got it. And ended you up more trouble than you ever bargained for. 
Oh, the greed that's in men. The greed that there is. It lies into me. Oh, we just love it. Have the, and boy, the greed. And all the... What this man owned was enormous. People are never satisfied with what they have. Be content with what you have. Thank God for what you have this morning. Thank God for your wee house and your wee family and your income. You'll get through. Greedy. Greedy boys. Here, a man was telling me yesterday about a boy that bought a grave. Bought a grave and he one grave. He was on his own. And he was on his own. He was going to die and he, had, he wanted one grave. And boys, he went to the boy and he said, I'll take that grave beside the two. What do you want two graves for? He said, well, it lies into me. Lay into him all right. <laughs> oh, the greed. This king didn't come with like a roaring lion. He didn't come with the evening wolf that Habakkuk talks about. This boy came as an angel of light. Came with the lolly and the land. Give it to me. That's what Judas said, you know. Give me. Give me. That's the language of the devil. But let me go on a wee bit here. Not only do you see the picture of Christ and the church and predator the devil, but there's another side to this, and thank God there is. Because let me tell you, you can't murder a man and his two sons and the dogs lick their blood and get away with it. And what I'm going to say in the last 10 minutes of this message is very serious. You can't get away with this now. And whatever your deed is this morning in the past or on the other time, it'll be found out. You're going, to the, you're going to the great white throne judgment if you're not saved, and you're going to the judgment seat if you are saved. And you'd better confess it and repent of it now and flee. Whoever you are out there, wherever you are this morning. You see, look at verse 17. And all this dirty work was over. And that painted Jezebel of his wife had done all that and bribed and done everything at them. The boy got out of his bed and drunk wine. He went down into the vineyard and started to walk around it. <laughs> I'll put this here now. I'll put that there now. I'll, I'll do this with that and boy he was walking around it not a bit of conviction about him or nothing and then he saw the shadow at the gate but I tell you this is fearful now what we're going to read verse 17 and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying can I say a wee word here The Lord has restored Elijah for this purpose and two other purposes, but this is one of them. Five years since he fled under the juniper tree. 
Nahab would have, Ahab rather, Ahab would have been sure that he was dead. Last, he probably heard about this man that he was dying under a juniper tree and he probably laughed to himself. But God brought this man back up again for this purpose. There's a a restoration here. And listen, saint of God, no matter whether you feel, remember Elijah, he got down into the dumps and he got into depression and he went under the juniper tree and and he wanted to die and then he fled and he hid in the caves with the rocks. It's horrible. Remember all that? But listen, no matter how we feel, God loves us, you know. And God's not finished with you yet if you have failed him in the past. Listen, he's not finished with you. God is merciful and he's gracious and he has something yet for you to do. Backslider, there's something for you to do. And what you see here is restoration. He recommissioned him. This mighty revivalist, this mighty prayer warrior, this mighty miracle worker, let me tell you, no other man could have faced this. This is not for the faint-hearted to go in amongst this demonic crowd. You're not going here with a wee prayer. He'll need all the courage and all the power and all the anointing that he ever had and all the miracles that he ever had and everything that this mighty man and when he brought down the fire on and, and, and Carmel, he'll need every bit of it to go in amongst this crowd. And God said, you're the man, Elijah. Elijah. And Elijah went down to the vineyard. Watch the verse again. Arise and go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, see that word? Would you believe it, God said? He's in the vineyard of Naboth, and he has gone down to possess it. There's not only restoration here, there's communication here. God spoke to him, and he heard God's voice. And God can speak to you, you know, today, and you can hear his voice in the Word of God and through the Spirit of God, and he'll direct you what to do. He'll direct you where to go. He said, go down. Go down and face him down. Don't go down now with any platitudes or nothing. Just go down and tell him what they tell. He's a murderer. That's what he said. Thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus said the Lord, hast thou killed? Verse 19. And also taken possession? Stolen? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus said the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine. I tell you, That shook him. Tell me, is God speaking to some of you this morning? You thought you got away with something. Something in the past. He has found you. 
See, see what the next verse is? And, and Abe said to Elijah, Hast thou found me? Oh, mine enemy. You know, the greatest tribute that could be paid to me or to this assembly of God's people is that the devil would call us his enemy. Are you? Are you an enemy of the devil this morning? Does he hate you? Does he hate you because of your intercessory and weeping and crying prayers? Does he hate you because you're bringing up the children in the word of God? What an awesome, what an awesome statement. God watched every move of the king. Now you may say to me, why did he not intervene? Why did he allow that man and his two sons and the the dogs to lick the blood on the street? Why did he allow this wicked people to kill him? Well, You may ask that about a thousand things this morning. You may ask it about that way school in Texas. But there's a day of judgment coming. You may ask it about the pool of Siloam in Luke's gospel that fell down one day when they were building and 18 of them were killed. You could ask it about that. You could ask it about the Jewish worshippers who were worshipping in the temple and offering up their sacrifices to God when Herod came in, when Pilate came in and slew them and mixed the blood with the sacrifice, their blood with the sacrifice. You could ask it about that. And when you're going on there, go to Calvary and ask it about that. Don't forget that. Don't forget that the Creator, the Son of God, the Eternal God, who without anything was made, was not made, hung, hung naked on a cross at Calvary and crowned with thorns and spat on and nailed there and his back lashed. The only son that he had and his well-beloved son. You ask that question, why? Sin. That's how awful and wicked and evil sin is. Greed, covetousness, pride, bribery. But thank God, God has his day. God has his day. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And what God told that man that would happen, let me say to you, it happened to him just as God said. And the 70 sons of Ahab, his 70 sons, their heads were taken off. Read the other scriptures and put in a basket. And Jezebel, his wife, 15 or 16 or maybe more years after, painted herself up and looked out through the window. She was painting herself up to the day she died. And her own people fired her out through the window and she fell onto the floor and the dogs ate her. 
and all that's left was the palms of her hand and the soles of her feet and her skull. And they licked the blood, not only of Abe, but Samaria, but of his wife. I tell you, there's a bad end to all this. There'll be a bad end to it all. As I come to your close, I want you to think now. What did he say? Thou hast found me. Oh, God found him all right. Now, would it be this morning as I bring this place to a close, not maybe even here, maybe here, somewhere else across, many are listening and watching these messages, maybe there's someone and he has found you this morning. Maybe there's a murderer out there this morning and you murdered a father. He has found you this morning. The juking and running's over. And he has let you run so far, but maybe there's someone out there this morning and you've murdered a son or two sons. He has found you this morning. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you've thieved what doesn't belong to you. He has found you this morning. Maybe there's someone here that listened to me today as I preach this message and uh, you have something that doesn't belong to you. You've ground or land and it's not yours. You need to do what the boy I was reading about some time ago did that got his doctorate in the university. And him a Christian and he copied and fiddled till he got past the exam but he didn't earn them. And then God called him, spoke to him and the voice of God came to him just as it's coming to some of you this morning. He got down on his knees. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy of this. I didn't get this by fair means. And he forsook it. Had to go and tell authorities. I tell you, your conscience and the voice of God. That boiled king got some shaking that day when he saw Elijah. Fear, I'm sure, gripped him. And if you want to read on at the end of the chapter, you'll you'll know at the end of the chapter that he repented. Look at verse 27. It came to pass when he had heard these words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. Now watch the grace of God. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Abe humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days, and I will bring the evil upon his house. Yes, his 70 sons. He repented and he cried and he wept and he lay before God, but it didn't last long. It only lasted a few months. See, you repent and come before God, you need to do it right. You need to get up out of your seat this morning and get around the back of this church and get down before God or even stand up where you are and say, Lord, I've sinned. Until we get the church cleaned up, we're not going to see any blessing or any move. What are you harboring this morning? Says in Job, there's a dark cloud hanging over us that hinders our prayers.
Search me, O God. Search. May God search us this morning through this word. And if he's bringing anything to your mind of covetous, of, of, of lies, of deceit, anything. If he has found you out this morning on something, then repent and confess and cry the blood and God will restore you and he'll bring you back into action and he has something for you to do. I don't think I have anything more to say. I don't know what to say. What a price he paid for a wee bit of ground the size of a postage stamp. He says, I want to grow vegetables in it. Herbs, that's what he said. But he was tinkering with the vine and the branches and the walls and the watchman and the house of God. And you can't do that. And thank God for those who stood here when they tried to do it. Because we have been blessed as a result of it. And I say to you this morning from the depth of my heart, we're going to stand against this evil, wicked regime, this instalment, or Westminster, or wherever it comes. We're going to pray and cry against it day and night. But we're not giving up this inheritance that was bought with the precious blood of Christ our Savior. I have an inheritance undefiled that fadeth not away. And God saved me and he saved you one day and he put us into the church of God and he says, you stand your ground. You don't need mass and you don't need to run. I'll guard you and protect you. So let us thank God this morning that at the end of the day, the Lord God will do what is right and do what is well, but there's a price to pay for sin.